Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 120 of Death Readers, the podcast where Rob and I share our thoughts and notes with each other on the books we're reading for the first time. If this is your first time listening, we suggest reading The Legend of Dritz Book 6, The Halfling's Gem, prelude through chapter 5 before listening to this episode. That way you too can follow along. Do you have any housekeeping before we get started? No. Cool. Then let's jump into the edition edition. Let's do. All right. I have I bought my copy relatively recently mm-hmm. in, in uh, June of this year. Mm. Or at least after June of this year, because that's when the um, mine is, I believe, a 14th printing, mm-hmm. if we mm-hmm. know how to do things, mm-hmm. of the two year 2000-ish time period Wizards of the Coast uh printing Mm -hmm. this is not this is the only one i have so far that's not of the more recent uniform design uh with with the super modern art mine uh let's see if i have anything anything else i can say about this printing early on it just says first printing january 1990 copyright 1990 tsr inc and copyright 2000 wizards of the coast 14th printing it looks like can you see it well, that was something I'm going to get to is that oh. my the, the thing I'm excited about about this book, the thing that had me more excited than any of the books so far is the fucking crazy cover art of a bunch of guys riding on camels. And that is so weird to me and is so incongruous with the rest of the series. Sure, sure. <laughs> because also Dritz, I assume this is Dritz on the cover, mm-hmm. looks nothing like the Dritz we see ever on the on the more recent designs and he looks horrendous in this uh his scimitar looks far more like a cutlass than a scimitar to me in, mm-hmm. in my cover and i you can clearly see wolfgar on a camel behind him and a lady on in front of him and some mysterious someone in the background on another camel but yeah i got very excited about this dumb cover oh also the uh the first camel on my cover has sleigh bells on a necklace, which is very weird. Yeah, I got. I, I think this is this looks incredibly dumb, and I love it. Well, that's disappointing to me. Why? Because of my edition. What's wrong with your edition? It's the same one. Oh, so you didn't get to spoil that you had the cool cover? Yeah. Yeah, I got the cool cover too. Uh, however, mine I think is older. Oh yeah. I think it's the fourteenth printing of the. 1990. Oh, okay. Yeah, it looks like your 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 cover does look different than mine. Um, uh, I, my Forgotten Realms is definitely different. Yeah, you have a much more ancient but Forgotten yours, Realms. But yours, like mine, is book three of the Icewind Dale trilogy. Yeah. Not book six. Well, no, the Icewind Dale trilogy is what we're in right now. Uh, but... The Legend of Dritz or book four and five. Yeah, but this doesn't say the Legend of Dritz. I know I'm saying that's important. Because if your book is like mine, it doesn't have Dritz interludes. You mean like listed as like, also read this? No, I mean like the preface Dritz does when he gets all pretentious between every part. Oh yeah, mine doesn't have that. And the book does because I looked on Amazon and read like a, you know, the first 30 pages of the Kindle edition. Oh yeah? And it, it was included. 
Oh, wow. Which kind of blows my mind. It means the research I did before was faulty. Well, uh, I... I wonder if they're what they're what's different about them, but I have a suspicion that I won't miss it. Oh, I definitely don't miss it. I would argue my book is fifteen percent more enjoyable without them. So, now that the edition edition's over, mm. should we start? Let's do. Uh, we're gonna start with the map. Let's start with a map. What do you want to say about the map? What do I want to see them? I see uh, some familiar names. Along that dotted line, we finally get to go to Waterdeep. Waterdeep. I've been hearing about Waterdeep for freaking ever. Yep. I see on here Baldur's Gate. That's a familiar thing. That is there a game called Baldur's Gate? Like a video yep. game? Yep. I've heard of video games. I didn't. I didn't know that was Dungeons and Dragons. Oh yeah. What is Baldur's Gate? Is it another town? Is it a castle? I think it's a is city. It a keep a, a city. I think it's a city. I don't. Who's, I don't really know. Who's Baldur and what's his gate guarding? Uh, secrets. Damn it, man. You're the DM. I, mean, I didn't write the book. Do you have anything to say about the map? This time, it looks like they do venture across the sea. Mm-hmm. If this dotted line is to, believed, mm-hmm. to be believed. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. So then my question is... I think I've answered it. Never mind. Although I will say this. There's this thing in the corner set called the Anurak... The Great Desert. Mm-hmm. That was my and question, this, this and I just answered it for myself. <laughs> doesn't go there. Nope. But I will say this: if yep. I can read this map correctly, it does look like between Memnon and Kalimport is a desert. If it's got the same texture as Anorak. Right. So that's that was the that was the very thing I was about to raise, and then decided, nope, I figured it out. Right. <laughs> so yeah, that's a a thing. Uh, that's, uh, that I don't have anything else to say about the map. That could explain the camels and sand dunes on the cover. Yeah, except that it comes at the very end, which is going to be lame. I want to read about them now. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else to say about the map? Nope. All right. Then let's get to the prelude. The prelude. All right. Summary for the prelude. Harkle Harple makes small talk with Caddybury while mulling over the fact that his romance with Sydney was a facade. This, and the realization that he played a part in both her and Brunor's deaths, compel the wizard to commit himself to aiding Cadibri in avenging her adopted father's death. Meanwhile, we get a glimpse into Guinevere's world, where she notes that Dritzt hasn't called her in many days, and a reaffirmation that Artemis holds her figurine. Do you have any notes in this chapter? I found this a lot more intriguing than a lot of the other books. I liked, um... I liked it showing off the consequences of actions in previous books. They brought back uh, Harkle and gave a little bit of closure to what was going on there. I liked the um, complexity of him being friendly with Caddy Bree and like honestly friendly with Caddy Bree, even though he was upset that she killed the woman he loved. He was able to rationally understand that the woman he loved was a jerk. Yeah, that he he, did, he didn't blame her or try to cut. You know, it, it, he's not setting her up for vengeance. Right. He arguably acknowledges that he didn't actually know the real person. Yeah. That he, the person he was in love with, like I said, was a facade. And yeah, I, I agree. I think that they were we're getting this. This chapter was like one of the first times I feel like, like you said, consequences from a previous book meant anything. Like the actions actually tied in. Mm-hmm. I feel like we finally got a a. a I finally got this feeling like, oh, cool. Knowing who this character is, is finally mattering. Mm-hmm. 
like like acknowledging that this character's relationship with other people in this world is significant it felt a little bit more like you know a a real world builded universe and that's i like that too uh i will say the description of gunweaver's realm felt a little more ethereal than in the past in the past i just kind of imagined uh, a forest but this seemed like it was a a uh, landscape made out of stars and nights. Did that seem different? Did you notice that at all? No, they they've talked about that being. I mean, it's it's a bit of both. I think it's, okay. it's always been like, like, a little astral, and shiny. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't like how Guinevere like refers. I didn't like her perspective on the world outside of her realm. I didn't like her being like, hmm, I'm gonna feel like I should be out there more. Like, or like I can tell I'm not being held by Dritz anymore or something like that. I was like, okay, that feels like a lot of new information. That De- Deus ex magica. Yeah, but you know, it also stayed in its lane. It didn't try to do too much at once with other, which other chapters in the other previous books have definitely tried to do. Fair enough. Anyway, uh, do you have any other notes in this chapter? I don't. I do. Um, only that. We're we're back to Salvatore writing it when referring to Guinevere. Didn't even notice. It, it is a weird disconnect. Maybe that's to do with the printings. Like, when they added those interstitial Dritz things, maybe they went through and, like, regendered the, the cat. But Oh. I don't know. Maybe not, because I feel like a lot of the... All of the other versions we've read aren't that way. But, like, who fucking knows? Like, but, I mean, there are definitely um, references to, you know, his hundreds of years in Menzo Baron's end in here, as opposed to 50. Right. So possibly that it's just one of those they didn't have decent word search replacement tech, you know, software. Maybe not. But that's uh, I think that's all we have for that area. All right. And that brings us to book one, halfway to everywhere. So here is where I imagine we'd have our first like interlude. Here it is. And I could look it up and read it if you like. I, I would know. Okay. I'm glad <laughs> just, you said I'll that. I'll just go to Barnes and Noble someday and, and sit down with a cup of coffee and just read all of them and then go, didn't help. Nope. And then, and then walk away. Yep. Having not purchased it. Take that struggling bookstore. Love it. So all right. Then so then we just go to chapter one, the tower of twilight. You sure about that? I think it's just tower of twilight. Oh my God. I added the the. It was artistic. Chapter one, Tower of Twilight. Oh, now I know where we are. Oh, that chapter one. You piece of shit. That one. In the halfling's gem. Okay. Mother was right about you. Okay. Um. Uh. Okay. Summary. Drist and Wolfgar arrive at a mysterious tower occupied by another Harple. The wizards from the previous book. This Harple offers the two heroes gifts and guidance on their quest to rescue Regis. A new scimitar named Twilight enchanted horseshoes to expedite their mission. And a map to a banshee's lair that may contain a magic mask that could help Dritz blend into the racist southern cities. And lessons in prejudice and humility for Wolfgar. Good summary. You have any notes in this chapter? Um, this chapter is my so beginneth my note, sets up the adventure I've been wanting this entire series. 
this <laughs> like if this had been the first book we read, I would have been excited. We've got we've got cities, we've got magic, we've got uh, quests with stop offs for side quests. Uh, it's great. It cooks. God damn! I can't believe I've gone through five books to get to this. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. At least at, at this point, I feel like at this point though in my in the reading of this book, I felt like it's a little unearned. Like oh, sure. I felt like I feel like at this point they just walk into a room and they're like, "Hey, you having problems? Uh, here's a solution. No charge." And it's like, mm, that seems weird. It seems weird that the, this Harple would just hand them all this magic shit and be like, "Bye." <laughs> like I just <laughs> I feel like we haven't met many characters like that. So for right. them just to be even the other no, that's at the at this other place in the previous book, the, the the family members of this guy, they weren't really like that. Right. They they were like welcoming and like they liked exchange. But they had a they had a barter system. They exchanged stories for their assistance. Right. And they wanted to check out Dritz and his like weirdness. Yeah. Um, right. But it, it is it is it is like you said unearned. That's fair. Um, but it's still. <laughs> does what I wanted this story to do. Right. Um, I have a note on page 17. Do you have any notes? I have no that? more notes on that chapter. Note on page 17. Do my orbs deceive me? Or is <laughs> Dritz described as having lavender eyes? Well, I mean, orbs are definitely used in this section that we read. But yes, Dritz has Lavender eyes. He's growing. He's changing. It's astounding. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, let's see if I could find it. Hold on. Um, to a lesser degree, Dritz shared those feelings, but he knew the tower and its occupants would be explained in time. Our greetings, Malcor Harpel, he said, his lavender eyes boring into the man. I, I nearly dropped my book when I read that. And you can't spell boring without O. R B. Well, he didn't say orbing. No, I'm just. I'm. But my point is, he managed to work it. He snuck it in there. <laughs> you know, he when he's not innocent. It's like the of, Da Vinci's Code. He's not innocent of using English, and that has orbs in it. So he, you know, same orb. It's all connected, man. The Da Erden Code. I'm saying, keep your eyes out for more orbs. Keep your orbs out for more eyes. I will. I'll do that if you keep your eyes out for more orbs. Done. All right, that's all my notes for that chapter. Do you have anything else you want to say about that stuff? Uh, I like the little bit of business where they yell at the silent boy. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. That was. I like that a lot. I like the idea of the guy being like, "Did you speak at all?" If I learn that you spoke a single syllable, you'll be out on your own. And the kid's like, and then just like he didn't say anything, and the guy's like, "I better not learn that you did." And then, like, even, like, all that, for some reason, I don't know how, but even Wolfgar being like, hey, that's pretty fucked up. Do I need to beat your ass because you're bullying a child? <laughs> and then the guy's like, no, barbarian. Like, this is this is how I mentor this kid. I need to know that he has the discipline to shut the fuck up for a month <laughs> before I waste years training him how to be a wizard. Exactly and, what happened. And I was like, I was like... And then, like, I was like, that... I mean, like, I can... If, am I an awful person for believing this? Like... <laughs> Am I, is it is it bad that this makes sense to me? No, no. It's like it's like the classic you know kung fu story where you sit outside the gates for a week and they're like go away and you don't go away and after a week you're like all right come in. It's it's literally the Pai Mei scene from yeah. Kill Bill Two. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's fantastic. It's fun. Oh, uh, yeah, that... Anyway, so, like... Um, yeah, I liked it. I like that character. I kind of wish he went on adventures with them. <laughs> It'd be fun if we saw him again. But, but anyway, that, that's... That good. chapter one, and there's a character I want to see more of. It's... It's like a whole new book. I mean, I'm not saying the book's not going <laughs> to piss me off. The book in this section will piss me off. But that was refreshing. Um, yeah. So where do we go next? Chapter two. A thousand thousand little candles. Summary. Regis is in Trieri's prisoner on a ship bound for Kalimport. The assassin mocks the halfling for most of the chapter until the end where Regis devises a plan to sow fear and doubt of a spreading sickness amongst the crew in an attempt to slow his captor's pace. My first note is on the first page of the chapter, page 27. Okay, I have a note on page 29, so you're up. Would you like to read the first sentence of the fourth paragraph on that Page twenty-seven. Yep, it's only it's only a two-sentence paragraph. It's very small. Fourth paragraph. Fourth paragraph. Oh, I guess if you're going to count a thousand thousand little candles as its own paragraph, then the fifth paragraph. Ah, thank you. Uh, perhaps counting uh, indentations would be easier. Hey, you know what? Those indentations are right next to each other. It's one indentation. A smile cracked the usually grim set on his of his face. Bullshit. Wander deep. Into the calm. Bullshit. He is always, always smiling. Grinning. Always grinning. Always smiling. I like that note. I didn't <laughs> notice that. We can't, we, <laughs> we can't even get two chapters in. And he's already forgetting his characters. Damn it. Bobby. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, he doesn't say orbs. And somehow, suddenly, Artemis doesn't smile all the time. Except after this, he's smiling all the time. It, it keeps coming up. And it's like... Why did you? I feel like Robert likes to write in the moment. No, what's that word? It's like tropes, but it starts with the C. Oh, um, my trouble is I know the word you want me to say, so I'm trying to come up with a joke word. Oh, that starts with the C. Hmm. Um, I'm so glad you're doing that. Cliche. Oh, damn it! <laughs> Robert likes to write in cliche. Because it conveys his immediate meaning, but regardless of whatever else the story needs. Right. And and often it contradicts things that he's set down before. Uh, yeah. Sorry to like, cut Like, instead joke. of saying... It, I had no joke. Oh, um, <laughs> uh, the... It's like even just a simple, like, adjustment of, like, a smile cracked his... Grim visage. Or his, like the grim visage he was he had donned to intimidate the halfling yeah like something like that to Put in in, the indicate that like this thing he's doing is do he's doing it right now yeah and perhaps the smiling is actually revealing something he actually normally does that he, he normally would gleefully like enjoy his uh evilness i mean this guy's basically the man who lasts didn't you call him the joker to dritz batman i think i might have i think he did I mean, he, I mean, all, I'm just saying all the pieces are falling together. I mean, it's definitely supposed to be... I don't know if I, if I use that specific comparison, but it is that whole, like, shadowed archetype thing. The, the like, the, the, oh, they're the same person. Oh, we have to... 
the reason I, I didn't like, I don't like, if I made that comparison, I'm going to criticize myself because I don't like, I don't think that Batman and the Joker should be the comparison that people make. Like they are, if you're looking at the concept of duality br- and brutal discipline and the duality it has with, with abject chaos. Gotcha. But like in, in order to do that, you have to minimize those, the character of Batman and the Joker so much that I think you you lose the nuance, nuance that yeah. makes them interesting and not Greek. Gotcha. Like, like it's like the Joker. If he's just an agent of chaos, why does he care about killing Batman? Right. If he's a, if he's an, if he's a true like chaotician, why does he care? Why does he have any, <laughs> any values that he cares about at all? Like, why would he have a goal to mm-hmm. begin with? Why wouldn't mm-hmm. he just live a, flowing like nebulous existence that could flit between violence and uh you know comatose inaction Mm -hmm. like he doesn't do that that's not really what he is he's an eight when people say agent of chaos truly what they are referencing is an agent of disruption Mm -hmm. which is not the same thing chaos and disruption are not similar they are i i genuinely believe they 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 are barely sim like they're barely comparable. Sure. People use the word chaos to mean disruption and that's kind of incorrect. And I, this is a really great point. Yeah. So like it, so when I think about this parallel, it, it works in that level of, if you're talking about, like I said, the, the disciplined, like meticulous character of Batman mm-hmm. versus a guy who is equally as meticulous, it seems in his plotting and planning, but just wears colors. <laughs> Like that doesn't feel like and, and laughs, which is the opposite of scowling. That, that's like asking a child to describe the difference between a circle and a square. And it's like, oh, you can tell they're different. Congrats. It's like <laughs> there's no depth there. It's it's basic shapes. I don't know if there's a better supervillain like comparison, but like the idea is it's you're talking about the the mirrored image. You're talking about someone who is sim who's who resembles you but in is in a sense is the exact opposite thematically of everything this other character holds dear so for well like that's flash the thing and reverse flash to, i guess but again like it's it's not i mean it, just, that, you want a better example so i gave you that well i i i feel like the, the same if you're going to use superheroes the problem no matter which one you use the problem is going to persist okay but you have to admit reverse flash looks more like the flash than the joker looks like batman it's true and and he does like his i, I will absolutely give you that that's all I wanted. Yeah, visually their costumes are inverted, but in terms of their motivations and stuff, not really. So right. like when you when you're talking about like a, like an archetype, you're talking about like what what is Dritz as an archetypal hero? You you have the swashbuckler who's committed to good and fighting against the evil nature inside himself that comes from his heritage, and with Artemis. You have the guy who's leaned into the evilness, for lack of a better word, the Dungeons and Dragons word of evil, mm-hmm. who leans into that versus uh, using his his powers for good, if it as it were. I guess every fucking fantasy story has to do this. That's the thing about it that bums me out is I feel like it's 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 so cliched to use a c word. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that Artemis turns out to be enjoyable as a character to read. He wasn't in the last book. I've got a, we've got a whole nother book ahead of us for him to, to earn his place as the arch villain of Dritz Jordan. It kind of felt like he was written 
as if Salvatore thought he was enjoyable, but he wasn't. Right. Maybe you're right. Maybe something will turn around this time. Yeah. Um, do you have any more notes in that chapter? I, I do. I do. Uh, anything before page 29? I did not take any more page notes on this chapter. Well, then let me go to my page note, and then we can go to your pageless note. Sir. Fine. Uh, page 29. I don't recall Artemis learning Guinevere's name. Do you remember that happening at any point? I don't. And I don't remember. I don't remember if he was around when the cat was called or referenced. Nope. Not once. I'm not going to go through the book again. And look oh, no. I, I can remember. It doesn't happen. Like, okay. It, it, and the only thing I, I don't remember where I think it could have happened is in the time period where Dritzt and Artemis are walking and talking. It's possible he could have mentioned the cat's name then. But like maybe when he was groping for the statue, when they just fell and it wasn't there and uh, and Trary, you know, smirked because he does that. Right. Um, and Dritz might have gone, Guinevere! Maybe. But, but like I, I didn't. I mean, I'm I'm stretching. I I don't remember what I remember about that section. My memory of that section is that he doesn't say anything. He doesn't let on to what he's missing and right. why it would be important. Right. He like grabs at his belt where he would keep the figurine, finds it not there, and then looks around and can't find it, and then just goes, "Oh, I guess I've eh, you're here now. I guess I'll go with you." Mm-hmm. And he just lets it go. And I don't think he talks about it at all because Dritz. I mean, one of those things about him as a character, I think I could say after five books, is that he he doesn't really share his personal life unless you've earned it. Mm-hmm. Like, it took him a long time to talk to Wolfgar of them training together in that in Crystal Shard before he says, you know, hey, man, here's a story about my life. I don't remember which story it was, but I know that was a moment where he, like, he shares a certain portion of his life and then also doesn't. I remember we had a conversation where he shares a certain amount and then he doesn't share a very specific aspect of it. We talked about that at length, but I uh, loathe to remember it. It would just been cool to have seen how that happened as opposed to just sort of being forced to accept that it has happened. Mm. Also some sort of implication that uttering the cat's name at all would summon it. Like as if, well, he doesn't know how it works. Sure, but it almost seemed like Regis was hopeful that he could do it. Like, maybe he could say the cat's name. but And it could also be that neither of these guys know how it works, and they're both guessing. Sure. But it, I, I guess I'm used to the J.K. Rowling style, if you suggested it is. Sure. That actually occurred to me. I don't remember now why, but it did occur to me in this book, in this section. And I think it's not unfair to think that Salvatore is operating on that thought process yeah okay what's your other notes i liked uh how entranced and cherry was with the gym it made me feel better about regis picking that one from the 12 that it actually had an alert i feel like it answered that um because it's like one of 12 oh he happened to get the magic one Ugh. but this actually right. made sense um last last question points uh opportunity for you to conjecture Mm. if you like probably not uh they make a mention of entrary selling his soul for his fighting skills do you think that's metaphorically meaning by cutting ties with his humanity or he literally sold his soul to some sort of demonic force 
to get these skills, and he's annoyed that Dritz is as good as him. I mean, it's got to be the latter. You think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's it just makes so little sense that like they would mention it without it being like. Do you, very do you remember literal. that line being? Yeah, I do. Okay, okay. I thought it was dumb. Like I remember thinking, like, "Wow, what a weird way to shove this in." All of well, a see, and that's why I'm like, because I I think I think I would be. I'm like, I think my process was. Oh, I'm going to be disappointed if they mean he literally sold his soul and that's how they're introducing it. So hopefully they just mean because he's just a killer who's lonely and sad that he sold his soul and that's what they mean. Yeah. Um, All right. I, I'm, I'm very confident that it will come up before the end of this book, but uh, whether or not it'll be satisfying or meaningful is not something I can answer. Okay. Next note. I thought you said you had notes. No, that was that was my two the 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 gym being alluring, ah, oh. and the selling of the soul. So cool. I'm done. Then carry us on, my wayward Rob, to chapter three, Coney Berry's pride. Summary: Dritz and Wolfgar arrive at a small village named Coneyberry, populated by well-armed villagers who appreciate their banshee neighbor Agatha and don't appreciate adventurers questing to beat her. After failing to defeat Dritzt and Wolfgar, the townspeople point the heroes in the direction of the banshee's lair. Once they arrive in the monster's den, a great battle ensues that ends with Dritzt gaining the mask and Wolfgar losing face. Nicely done. I've got a, I've got a note on page 43. I have an overview note. Oh, okay. So, go for it. Okay, well, if you turn to page 43, can you read the third word on the first official paragraph? Orbs. Yep. Orbs. Told me to keep my eyes peeled for those orbs, and uh, that's what I did. But, like, they weren't Dritz orbs. Hey, I just I was just looking for orbs. Eight. Okay. Um... I mean, let's just get to the overview because I feel like it's probably going to be similar to mine. What's your overview? So far, this book is paced well. Oh. There's much fewer frills and the quests have meaning. Mm. In order for Dritz to pass freely through a prejudiced world, he needs a special mask guarded by a banshee. It's motivated. It's brief but fun. It's just better than most of what came before it. I'm still not hopeful for the quality of the book as a whole, but... As of right now, I'm having a good time. Um. Okay, so not the same as mine. Oh, interesting. Uh, I was really pissed that they just ripped this banshee off. But they didn't kill her. I don't care. They came in. They didn't knock. They didn't announce themselves. They broke her home apart. She's just trying to defend herself. They straight up rob her. Almost kill her. What the fuck is this? It's just Indiana Jones shit. What's different? It's than not Indiana the, the Jones golden shit. Idol. How is it different than that? Golden Idol's not... Uh... Protected? Yeah, it is. Look at all those traps. People die. Lots of people die in his get trying to get that trap. Okay. For that. What's different? What's different is there's not someone residing in the temple whose idol that belongs to. But the idol didn't get there naturally. It does belong to someone. Whether oh. or not that person's alive or if it's a tribe that were the people out there protecting it. The Jovitos? We don't... Sure, we don't know. We don't but know, like, but we do know that the Banshee is, with her own agency, protecting this mask. 
and these guys just rob her. Okay. Yes. That's not cool. Okay. Uh, I just find the bullwhip in your house. Look, I'm not to be defending interesting... Indiana Jones. I'm not defending Indiana Jones. I just don't think they're different. Okay. But right now I'm talking about this, and this is a shitty thing to do. Sure, and I'm just going to revert that direction towards your hero, Indiana. He's a bad guy sometimes. Is he? Yeah. Is he a he snake? Is. Why Why did he have to be a snake? He's, what he why did he have to be a snake? Look, I think, I think what you're really upset with here, <laughs> what you're upset with. You think I'm upset? I think you're upset. I think you're upset and you're deflecting and it's... It, it would be charming were it not so embarrassing. Mm, You're upset I... <laughs> because I'm calling out this chapter that you liked, and you realize that there is a, a real moral ambiguity here. No, I don't. I think I think it's adorable that you are bummed out about this. I because it's such a uh, a very stereotypical tomb raidery thing to do. Uh, that it tombs like... are usually. Uh, dead and emptied. There's a creature here. I don't see the difference between this creature and uh, any monster guarding any treasure ever. I think I think uh, arguably it's more impressive that they don't kill her. It's actually pretty cool and against the, the grain to not just slaughter the beast like they did Icing Death. I mean, you didn't have a problem with the Icing Death chapter. What's the difference there? They actually killed that creature, that precious creature that you didn't defend or have a problem with then. No, that was an evil dragon. That's okay. Was it? Hmm. See, I think you're deflecting because you're mad that I caught you in a hypocrisy. <laughs> No, it's not hypocrisy. It's complexity. I'm complex. Is it? Yes. Well, it is, it, I, I will. here's what I will admit. It's a complexity that's beyond me. <laughs> Whether that be- beyond is above or beneath, I'll leave to you. I just hope there's consequences for this. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I wouldn't hate if there were. I'll say that. I, 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 I and, and seeing what we've seen so far, it's... I would be pleasantly surprised if there was some sort of consequence. Even I, I, and I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens in this book. Like mm-hmm. Dritzt makes a point of saying of having reservations about putting the mask on. Right. I well, that's a that... different thing, but it is also very interesting that they are kind of loading that conflict ahead of time. Right. Well, he talks about okay. So in Dungeons and Dragons, the game it is very. It is not uncommon for there to be uh, a a device that increases your like uh, or a magical item that increases your ability somehow, but has a cost. Mm-hmm. Like you, uh, if you every time you use it, you have to roll a, a, a d six, right? And if you roll a six, you go insane. Something like that, or you roll a d twenty. If you roll a one. You go insane, or, th- or or like uh, the the more every day you wear this thing, the the higher you get like a, a clock, a countdown clock that says like every day you wear it, taking it off will do x many more points of damage to you, mm-hmm. to the point where if you wear this object long enough, the amount of damage it would do to you if you took it off would kill you. So then you're stuck wearing it, and you have to you just don't get to be anybody other than the person who has this object on them that you know anybody could see or could affect you you know socially you can't like hide without it right so like it would not surprise me 
if this mask was possibly something like that. It also wouldn't surprise me if it just disappeared and never was a problem again. Hmm. Like, Salvatore has the fluidity to be both those kinds of writers. Maybe. I mean, at least in this one, it seems like he's doing a pretty good job of, like, maybe plotting out ahead of time some things that happen. And so maybe that's happening. Maybe it'll be in a different book. Who knows? But let's hope. Well, that's not hope, but <laughs> let's hope let's hope there's some more depth to this. Because um, okay. The, the one thing I, I can't help but carry with me is this is only the third book written, which means he went from this to the prequel trilogy, and that worries me. Unless he's just trying to hammer them out and get back to the good stuff. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Well, that's all we can do is wait and see, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't have any more notes on that chapter, do you? Nope. What's next? Chapter four, The City of Splendors. Summary. Dritzt and Wolfgar arrive in Waterdeep, where they secure passage on a southbound ship after narrowly avoiding another disastrous bar brawl. Wolfgar displays character development as he skillfully avoids another disastrous fight that would have sent the two heroes to a jail cell for the night, forcing them to miss their ship. Once aboard the ship, Dritz reflects on his new magic blade, Twinkle, that he got from the Harkle, and his other scimitar from Icing Death's Cave, that I should, I should say that he stole mercilessly from Icing Death's Cave. Villainously. Mm. Villainously, not mercilessly. Villainously. He killed the dragon mercilessly and stole the, the sword villainously. While he laments the lost ice blade, Wolfgar mentions that Brunor had the sword before he fell over the cliff in Mithril Hall, burning with the black dragon. With this knowledge, Dritz puts two and two together. Could the ice blade have saved Brunor from the ravages of his immolation attack? And that's what happens in that chapter. Uh, I really only have one note, but before I get to that, we can talk about the chapter as a whole, but do you have any notes? Um, my, I just have like, again, I have overview notes. I really liked this chapter. I really liked the description of the town and their adventure in it. It felt very much like, uh, the bar and Ankhmore pork from the Terry Pratchett books. Um, it was colorful. It was fun. The character growth, like you mentioned, um, the, the, the different handling of the bullies. It was great. Totally enjoyable. Yeah, I really appreciated that. Seeing the characters grow, it feels huge after five books. And yes, and maybe if I could, if I could do this over again, if I had a note from someone that just said, "Don't read the prequels, just don't waste your time reading them. They are not worth it." Um, I don't know how much that would have saved us, but like, I feel like my patience would be a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it feels like we've uh, because of the way the prequels work, because they were presented as the first books, I feel like we've barely seen characters grow at all. Any even any of Dritz's growth through the first three books is like retroactive. And this is the first time I really feel like we've seen anybody do something that was like obviously improving their capacity as a as a person. Right. Yeah, like this is like my note here is just this is getting better. The characters are showing growth, pieces are falling into place, plot developments are motivated. Is this really a Salvatore book? <laughs> we'll see, and that takes me to my note. 
um, the whole bit about Drift's reflecting on Twinkle and its magical properties and how it lets you not get burned by fire. Oh, no, that's not Twinkle. Just, I, you're I, right. I'm no, sorry. you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. But his whatever his icy sword, but but yeah. he reflected on Twinkle and that led him to think about the other one. Right. And that sword's properties, and then the slow dawning of comprehension and how um, Wolfgar mentions Bruno had that on him. That was really compelling storytelling. Yes, it was. It was that's my really note. goddamn that's, good. That's my note here. My last final note is I really liked the realization that the ice scimitar could have saved Bruno. Because it didn't occur to me, like I had, I had forgotten about it and just ignored it, which means that it was good storytelling in the last book, and it's good storytelling in this book so far. In fact, I know. I mean, I, I remember that he picks it up. I remember that Brunor picks it up, and he because he makes a point of saying so in the last book, and he doesn't he doesn't over explain it. No, not he, at all. Not he, yet. He lets you know that Dritz is definitely putting two and two together, like you said. But he's not saying Dritz is putting two to do together in his head about his sword that prevents you from burning up and how Brunor had it. He doesn't do that bullshit. No, right. It's Dritz is going what? And it's it's really well done. Yeah, it's exceptionally well written for this series. Yeah. Uh, do you have any more notes in that chapter? I don't. I was I was well, taken then, aback by that, and I had I had me, nothing else to say. Me too. I uh yep. Let's jump into the next uh, the next section, which is... Chapter 5, Ashes. Summary. Brunor is back, baby. The rightful king of Mithril Hall deftly navigates the shadows of his kingdom, killing any straggling Drugar like an ash-coated Jason Voorhees. <laughs> his ruse is discovered in the forge room by hundreds of gray dwarves who chase him into a nearby fireplace. Brunor climbs the chimney and escapes their pursuit, only to find himself tangling... With a giant spider. He slays the beast, but at the cost of his health as the arachnid's bite burns with a poisonous tell. He manages to climb to the top of the chimney, but collapses into unconsciousness before he can drag his body over the threshold. This chapter. I liked all the story in it. I did not... I was still bored by it. Does that make sense? Like, the things that happened, I was fine with I enjoyed the action was I didn't I didn't like that he kept climbing up and falling back down I got that got a little old the events were fine but it it also was just kind of like not thrilling not 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 engaging with me it's good enough good good to see Bruno alive I guess I guess it was because it was more actiony that's probably why I liked the last chapter so much there was the, the threat of action and then they you know talked their way out of it and it was great and here we're getting the action that I'm just like, oh, I don't want. Yep, he's not right, great at writing that. Um, I think he gets lost in his descriptions. Maybe. He he, he describes so much and so many things are particular. Like, he describes things like, this thing is to the left. And it's yeah. like, is that necessary? Like, I, I feel like I'm having a hard time tracking what you're describing because I can't see this world. Right. Um, like, I'm just kind of great that you can visualize it that deep. Right. But, but like, you... help me. Yeah. So like, uh, cause I agree. Like I get lost. Like I had to go back and reread sections just to make sure that I knew how Bruno got to where he got at the end and where that was. Like, right. cause I, it didn't make sense. So I went back, excuse me. I went back, reread it. Makes more sense now. But, uh, yeah, my note, uh, an overview note, it's very similar to what you said. Uh, again, to me, again, this is fun. 
uh, mostly the subterfuge and the idea of like like I imagine like he's like Bruno is like Hawkeye in Avengers Endgame. He he goes to he just goes to the bad guys world and just starts killing them mm-hmm. like secretly in the night. Like it's it's great. <laughs> um, I said so I said uh, unlike Gandalf, we're part of Brunor's journey back from the fall. He earns his resurrection and avoids a contrived rescue from Cadibri and the combined forces of many dwarven clans. I am surprised at how much I liked this section. I am sure my di- disappointment is nigh. Um, I, I I agree though that like in terms of the action, it, it did get a little clunky and, yeah. and confusing and annoying. Like, uh, like I again, he he finds like a side passage in the in the chimney and then hustles through that and then climbs another chimney and makes his way out like whatever it just it just felt like whatever to me um yeah my only other note was they refer to the drugar as dwarven at one point and i was just confused but then i'm like i guess that makes sense it's like calling elves and dark elves all elves sure yeah it's it's the same yeah it, it just it just threw me for a loop for a second but i'm like i can i can get i can get on board with this yeah. Uh I'm I'm also like I said though, I'm glad that Brunor coming back wasn't like I'm glad that it wasn't like, oh, they all go back to rescue him and he's under the, the rubble just lying there for months. Mm-hmm. Like I'm glad that the, that we got to see or, or that like and like he shows up out of nowhere and he's like, I'm back and I'm Brunor like, oh. the White. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like they actually show like no, he's He's running through the, he's like, I love the things like he's covering himself with ash, like, and you instantly kind of figure out what it is, like that it's him and that he's back and how he's doing it. I just, you know, good job. Like this was, this is exciting. This is fun. This isn't the tired bullshit of the last five books. Like this, this is fun. In fairness to Tolkien though, I do believe he gives Gandalf's story during the fall. It just comes later. Oh, well, I mean, that kind of happens in, it does too. it, it, it just does like, yeah i think it goes into more detail it about... feels like a retcon in the movie though it feels like oh yeah we wanted him back so here he is yeah any more notes on the no i'm done i'm i'm oh, cool. i'm but noted out wow short episode the episode is just right uh it's not just right until we do a new word alert <gasps> Give me your right. words. Are you ready? Yes. Impost. 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 I'm going to go with the obvious. Is it related to imposter? No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. You spent time on that. I'm going to leave that whole space in. <laughs> No. <laughs> what is impost? A noun. Something imposed or levied. A tax. Huh. I guess Definition. an imposter is imposing their identity on someone. <laughs> or an identity. S- second definition noun. A block, capital, or molding from which an arc, uh, arch springs. Hmm. Okay. Is that in this book? I don't remember. Sure. Um, I don't think so. 
but still a new word. Hey, I, the new words never have to be relegated to the books that we're reading. You know that. Oh, I do know that. Better and know it's that. Oftentimes, they don't come from them. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, that's the end of uh, this episode. So next time, mm. we're going to be reading uh, The Halfling's Gem, Chapter 6 through Chapter 12. Can I just say again how much I'm enjoying not having Dritz's little pretentious asides? Honestly, it's dumb that I feel like there are... This book would have been 20 pages longer with them. Mm-hmm. Like... They... May, maybe they are, like... Think of it this way. Maybe they are an incentive to sell the reprinted copies to people who originally bought the books oh i'm sure in the in the, in the 80s and oh, 90s absolutely they're as like special features they're stuff. included it's it's the re-inclusion of java all over again right yeah absolutely i mean it's what I, it is. I get that it's just like this was better i mean uh so far no uh, this not having to read that like i don't think i appreciated how much they soured my mood yeah until i didn't have to deal with it Maybe that'll be my I, homework for next time. Maybe I'll, I'll I'll transcribe the first one since it was on Amazon and I'll read it. Well, I, I remember, though, that there were a couple, especially in the last book, that I really liked because they were very much like, fuck, I, uh, me, Salvatore, is going to completely disregard the entire auspices that this is a fictional character and I'm going to preach to you <laughs> the things you may not have gotten in my subtext, I'm just going to tell you what you, I fucking meant. You certainly felt some, found some, found something positive in them. I will give you that. And if, and if that's what I miss, if I'm missing more like that, then I do feel like I'm missing out on that. But I, in terms of reading it for the show, I am not, I don't have any qualms. The with book feels having... more like a fun adventure without them, at least so far. It does. I'm not, really again, does. I'm not saying that it is directly response, you know, related to their lack, but they're not it's there and I'm enjoying it. the book. And like yeah. I said, it's the third book written. So maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm more excited to, to read the next chapter than I was the start of this book, mm -hmm. but who knows? He could fuck it up. You know, he could just totally just shit the bed and we could be reading a terrible book from here on out. True. No way to know, except to read it. So, again, next time, chapter 6 through 12, do not read chapter thir uh, 13. I, I know how reading works, thanks. Hey, man, I might not have been talking to you. I could have been talking to the listener. Well, you pretty mean The individual, single listener. My book, This is so I do want to say this. Oh, no. Oh, wow. So, my book does reference the prequel movies, or pre movies, pre prequel books. In, in the Dark Elf trilogy, it says, you know, books by R.A. Salvatore, the Icewind Dale trilogy, mm -hmm. Crystal Shards, Dreams of Silver, Halfling's oh. Gem, the Dark Elf trilogy, yep, nope, Homeland, Exile, Sojourn. I have yeah. that too. Interesting. I have way more after that than yours. But no one had come along. That's true, you do. No one had yet come along and said, let's make this, let's do the Star Wars thing with this. What do you mean? No one had, wouldn't that would be what the prequels were? No, putting binding them in one set and adding stuff. Oh so they're no, cohesive. yes. And they are not. And so we can sell them again and, and well, get that and, money twice. 
in the same way as yours is the Icewind Dale trilogy comes first for me. Oh. The Dark Elf trilogy comes after that. Oh, interesting. So, like, it seems like this is the publication order. They're they're saying, maybe read it this way. Yeah. Maybe if we read it this way, it would be better. Who knows how this book ends, but, like... Oh, shit. Is that what Ari Salvatore looks like? It's the first time I've seen a picture of him. That's also interesting, too, because as far as I can tell, the next... According to the Dritz, the Legend of Dritz books, the next book seven is actually Legacy, which is the first book in Legacy of the Drow. But it looks like Canticle in the Cleric Quest Quintet may be the first book printed after Halfling's Gem. So maybe that's your housekeeping. You can go find out the publication order of these books. Fuck, I don't want to do that. People need to know. People can... Us. people can conject <laughs> okay well i don't think we have anything more to say uh all right thanks for listening i'm doug i'm rob thanks for listening thanks for listening yeah thanks uh for listening bye <laughs> i could take out your awkward thanks for listening so don't worry if you've enjoyed this podcast please rate review and subscribe on apple Podcasts, podbean or wherever you get your podcasts these reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion follow us on twitter and like our new facebook page for death readers news become a patron at patreon slash death readers and please discuss us extensively on reddit yeah the person he was in love with like i said was a facade and is it loud put it down why you think you can hear it i know i can can hear hear it yes The person he loved was a facade. The person he loved, she was a facade. (laughs) You're a child. (laughs) Pause for a sec. Do you have like a smoke alarm that needs its battery changed? Yep. Okay. Okay. But I, I don't know which one. Sure. Sure. Sometimes, sometimes they're under the house. You have a crawl space. I do, but I don't think I have one down there. I have three in the immediate area. Uh I think it must be the one in my bedroom. But I I don't have any replacement batteries. (laughs) You could just Um, take a battery out and let it sit there. Yeah, but if I do that for all of them, then I might burn to death. You might. (laughs) No, hey, uh, my my point is simply we have a, a special guest on this episode. Sure. Chirpy. Sure. Okay, back into it. I'll just go remove that thing real quick. Oh, 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 if you want to. Can I do it over? Yeah, sure. I have a better way of doing it. I'm going to do it. Hold on. Once they arrive in the monster's den, a great battle ensues that ends with Dritz gaining a... Ah, fuck. Once they arrive in the monster's den... A great battle ensues that ends with Dritz gaining the mask and Wolfgar losing face. This chapter. It wasn't bad. Don't worry about it. My watch is telling me to take We have breath. a little guest on this episode. <laughs> we each have a little guest on this episode. We, we each brought a sidekick tonight. <laughs> Chirpy and Twinkle. Um, By the way, that's not the name of his other sword. It's not Chirpy. Just so you know.